0: Welcome to Thy Kingdom Pod, a podcast about living in the unfinished mission of Jesus. This is episode 19, and today we're shaping our conversation around this one question, is following Jesus safe? At TMS Global, it's a question we're asked quite often. In this conversation, we discuss some of the real dangers that exist in other parts of the world, but we'll also talk about what dangers we often ignore back home in the United States. We'll give our thoughts on what a Christ-centered response to danger can look like, and we'll also discuss a tragic and controversial event that happened a few years ago in the world of cross-cultural ministry. So here to host this conversation are Jonathan Duncan, Sonia Pass, Sarah Parham, and Jim Ramsey. Hello and welcome to Thy Kingdom Pod.
1: We are back and better than ever. How are you guys doing? I am joined by Sarah, Sonia, and Jim. I'm good.
2: Apparently better than ever.
1: (laughs) ever. We've had a nice long vacation from uh, potting. Um, It has been a while since we've released one, but it's because we have been working really hard and traveling and schedules were just very difficult to line up. Um, However, we are really pumped about some of the things we've been working on. Um, one of those things is a small group curriculum. Sarah, tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, we haven't been recording podcasts, but we have been recording film instead. So I'm super excited about this small group Bible study curriculum we're creating. It's called who is my neighbor and it's designed to lead every church member into how to have spiritual conversations with their neighbors, where they live, work and play. So Uh, three parts. Um, Each part has eight weeks and video curriculum with a workbook to go with it. We're really excited about taking what we teach our workers uh, to the church and ways it can be implemented by every person out there.
1: Awesome. And we're looking to launch that later this summer. Is that right?
2: That's correct. We're hoping it'll be available for small groups to start this fall.
1: That is super exciting. I get the privilege of work of working on that with Sarah and the, the larger team, um, and it's it's going to be really amazing. Sonia is one of our was also involved. She's one of our instructors or teachers um, in that small group curriculum.
3: Yeah, so much fun. Hard work. <laughs> it's so much fun.
1: <laughs> it was hard work. Um, well, something else that we uh, another iron we have in the fire is we are working to um kind of make podcast releases more um, regular and in an effort to do that we uh joining our staff recently um is a woman named jennifer jones and she is super talented with uh audio recording she used to work for npr she's just very passionate about that kind of thing and um she writes all of our stories and articles for the website for the email um, newsletter and that kind of thing and we were just kind of brainstorming and we thought it'd be really cool because she is so gifted at recording audio herself. Um, She is going to take some of the stories um, that she's been writing about and converting them into mini podcast story episodes Um, that the working title for that right now is that kingdom stories. I think we're going to go with that, Um, but she will be dropping those in between our our larger episodes Um, and So it's going to be a really cool way to have like a short eight to 10 minute kind of story of what God is doing in the people of TMS throughout the world. Um, So it's going to be a really cool way to access that, those stories. Um, If you're somebody like me who doesn't enjoy reading, you see an eight to 10 minute podcast and you're like, Ooh, I can do that on my way to McDonald's for a McFlurry. So let's hear what's going on. (laughs) Oh man.
2: I'm really excited about people hearing from Jennifer because she's such an excellent storyteller. She
1: is very good.
2: Yeah, I've really enjoyed her stories.
1: Yeah. Um, anyhow, uh, we are super glad to be back. We have some exciting things planned. Um, and to kind of get us started, I'm gonna kick it over to Jim. Yeah, so we uh, um, thought we'd start
4: with the topic of safety. And I just want to answer this by a recent uh, example the, uh, the topic that we always have to deal with here at TMS, and that is our workers around the globe. We recently had a couple of our folks who serve in Europe went to Romania to assist with the uh, Ukraine refugee crisis that's developing in, in those parts of Europe. And the organization they're working for had them get on a boat and take a bunch of, of, of goods to deliver to the port of Odessa. And of course, that raises the question, were they safe? What was their danger? What was their risk level during that time? And and why would we put people in harm's way? And that just brings up the larger issue, I think, for us in the Christian walk, not just for people serving in Europe among refugees, but just the question of safety and God's kingdom. Um, Is it safe to be a part of God's kingdom? Does God promise us safety? Um, How do we find that balance? that's just something we're going to talk about today and 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 rest with those issues because i think they are issues that that we all as believers run into and sometimes i think especially here in america i think sometimes we have what i somewhat tongue-in-cheek called the illusion of safety but we have this expectation that if we're really following god then we'll be safe <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear you guys first thoughts on that i've got a couple but i'll try to sit on them for a minute <laughs>
1: I think uh when you said the illusion of safety the first thing that popped in my head was like going through TSA at an airport (laughs) I don't know why
2: that's funny
1: it's like it's because I followed them on Instagram and they're pretty funny they're a great follow Um, you follow TSA fascinating they're a great follow on Instagram Okay, I'll remember really? that. <laughs> if you glean nothing from today, follow TSA on Instagram because...
3: <laughs> wow. Well,
1: I mean, they confiscate all this stuff that's unsafe. And what are they going to do with it? Might as well take a picture of it and post it online. <laughs> like, you won't believe what I pulled from the whatever airport today. And it's like a, a live grenade or something or an inert grenade. Crazy stuff. One thing I've noticed about safety
4: over the years is that people are often... It is an emotional response. Um, some years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who, who uh, is from Denmark. And she talked about how she doesn't know how people manage to live in America when there's these threats of hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff. Now, having grown up in America, I know there's hurricanes and tornadoes. I know they, they hurt people, they are scary things, but I don't live in fear of those things or think of them as a part of my safety environment because I'm just used to it. It's part of the backdrop of living, just like getting on the interstate and driving somewhere, I don't get in my car and think I could die today because people die on the interstate. And yet for that person who is not from my culture, that seemed like a high risk, that seemed like an unsafe place to be. I think we get that sometimes, especially working cross culturally into other contexts, is that things that seem so unsafe and so scary to us, if you really break it down into statistics, to really do a risk assessment, you'll find that, that the risk is not really that great after all.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like we had a couple in just a few weeks ago who serve in Tanzania, and they were telling about the elephants uh, who come through their village. And that sounds so very foreign to me and very unsafe to have elephants traipsing through the neighborhood. And while it is unsafe relative to where they live, the risk is they know what to do. They are there just the same way we know what to do when a hurricane or a tornado comes around. And it is legitimately a risk we know how to mitigate that risk and we learn how to live with it when it's unfamiliar and you don't know how to mitigate or how to live with it it just is scary it's just it feels very unsafe
3: just talking about um, safety and risk from this perspective reminds me of a village that Sonia and i went to serve in um, to teach some women and we're sitting we're walking through high grass because it had just rained out in the bush and they're leading us, and we get to these benches, well, one bench, because everybody else is sitting on the ground, and we notice all of these kids lined up behind us. We're like, oh, the kids want to hear what we're talking about, and so we go through and do whatever we're going to do there, teaching this lesson, and we're preparing to leave, and we get to the van, and the driver says, I never knew you were, my sisters were so brave, and we're looking at him like, okay, we just went to teach these ladies. And he said, No, the children that were behind you, like, yeah, they just wanted to come. He said, No, their job was to keep the snakes away from you because all of the snakes come in high grass when it's rainy season. And so they put the children on snake duty. And we had no idea as we were teaching this lesson. <laughs> that's where you're glad the risk,
4: that's where you glad the risk assessment is after the fact. Yes.
3: Absolutely. Yes. yes.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Safety is a very emotion-laden word. It it's a feeling word. It's often there's not a lot. I don't think there's hmm. a lot of uh, objective stuff you could build around safety. It's more of how do I feel. And that's why I think what you said Sarah, is a great example where I, I felt safe in Costa Rica because I I was already in an unknown place and people were telling me what to do and what's safe. And in my own neighborhood where I know there's issues. I might be more uncertain. I mean, it's, it's I get I, the illusion of safety, maybe the illusion of control. Um, mm-hmm. There's this, this statement that I've heard before: um, the safest place is the center of God's will. And if our president Max Wilkins, was on here, he, he'd probably you know, blow a gasket, um, <laughs> because it's it's it's, it's a nice little pithy saying, but it's just not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly is not biblical uh because there's no guarantee of safety in god's will i mean our entire faith is based on a crucifixion um I doubt, I doubt <laughs> jesus was feeling very safe when he went to jerusalem so but i think it's again sarah you said safety from what mm-hmm. and jesus was safe in god's presence but in terms of our ideas of safety is often is often physical and so if that becomes a priority it can sometimes lead us astray
2: yeah, you got to ask the question: Safest places in God's will was Jesus in God's will when He was hanging on that cross, and what does that do to that statement?
1: Um, for sure.
4: Yeah, either you have to change your definition of safety.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's exactly
3: my question. How do? How would that person define safety? Right. Because yeah. depending on how they define safety, the safest place could be in the center of God's will. If you have come to terms that you could die, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So how do, how do we define safety? I think that's a valid question.
1: Well, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me the answer is, I mean, this sounds like a cop-out answer, but it is cultural because I don't know when I think of what's unsafe to my American friends, I don't think very often they mean bodily harm or, or death, but maybe they mean discomfort, anxiety, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. knowing. Like, like they, they want to anticipate what's going to happen before mm-hmm. being there and they can't handle um, not knowing before arriving. Mm-hmm. It's like a stress. And that's, I mean, if I were to think about some of my friends from when I was younger in South America, none of that applies. You know, they're just not, maybe one or two of them, but they're just not, that's just not what's not safe to them. Then it was like a physical, you know, danger thing. I think you're right. I think
4: that that's, uh, as, as North Americans in general, it's going to vary by subculture, but in general, in North America, there is that expectation of control of predictability and, and, uh, and we don't feel safe if we don't have that. And I think that that can, I think that can get in the way of our living the kingdom life because the temptation with that is to insulate ourselves insulate ourselves, not just in physical safety, from, from social safety, discomfort, I don't want to be seen wrong by somebody else, or I don't want to engage that conversation that might become awkward or might, might be misunderstood. And so we tend to insulate ourselves and even we see, we insulate ourselves in terms of the, the outside information we get, we can insulate and make sure only getting information that, that keeps us in our little safe Mm -hmm. bubble, if you will. And I think it, it does have real, um, repercussions for kingdom living.
1: And I will say here, here I'll, I'll sidetrack and soapbox real quick. I know that social anxiety is a real thing, um, that people struggle with. I have friends who struggle with it. I also have friends who say they struggle with it and they really don't. It's just the excuse. And so if you're somebody who actually struggles with it, there is, there's ways to like improve. And what, what what a win for you in a social situation like that you were talking about, Jim, would look different from somebody else. But if you're somebody who, if you're honest with yourself, you really don't have social anxiety. You're just kind of using it as an excuse. You know, you gotta you gotta come to terms with that. You know, <laughs> you know that's not okay because that is a real thing, and you shouldn't use it as like an excuse to not show your face in somewhere because oh, it's just easier not to deal with it. Sorry, I saw the opportunity there. I needed a soapbox (laughs) on that because I get so frustrated.
2: I think in the course of this conversation, I am parsing out the distinctions between safety and security in my head. Like just hearing you guys talk, the difference Mm -hmm. between like security, meaning I know what's going to happen. And I know there's that predictability I know that the results are going to be good, right? Like the mm-hmm. security and knowing what's going to happen and that it's going to end well. And safety, in my mind, I'm parsing it out as that health and well-being piece. Like, is any bodily harm going to come to me? You know, that kind of thing. The emotional versus the physical pieces of gotcha. safety. Yeah
1: and
4: what we find in the, in the mission world sometimes it parsing out further and this is the the corporate world is also discovered this. they talk about risk risk assessment is what are the risks we're taking and that's something you can quantify it's there are some feelings associated with risk but it's it's more about very concrete what are the chances that a kidnapping might happen what are the chances that um that there could be a, a theft or a, um, a natural disaster or whatever else and so there is there is a place for that but that's more of a a calculation than a kind of a blanket thing well i've got to be safe if i'm being you know follow god because i don't think we have biblical foundation for saying we are Um, my favorite example is the apostle paul i think um you know he he certainly did not choose where he was going based on safety considerations it was based on god's call where god's word had not been heard but he went boldly and he he certainly experienced some consequences at the same time which i thought was significant with paul is that when he first became a believer in damascus and he was preaching then there was a threat against his life they let him out of the wall um out a window so it's not like it's if you're if you're really in god's will and you just bulldoze in there and don't pay attention to your surroundings um but paul was in tune with the holy spirit and knew when when did he need to get out of dodge when did he just charge on ahead there and i think that that's always been a model for me it's saying it's highly contextual i've got to look at what what the situation is depend on the holy spirit but i can't let my physical well-being be the guiding force it is certainly an input but it's not the guiding force
2: that's really good because there's the other example where he was teaching in a temple they put him in jail he got out of jail and went right back to the temple where he was or got in trouble the first time (laughs) that's right
4: yeah yeah i remember them uh and and i think of uh when jesus said his face to jerusalem and the disciples were like really and even paul when he was going to jerusalem they you know his companions were like
0: yeah you know you
4: may be kind of persona non grata there but (laughs) but he went
2: Mm -hmm.
4: he went because he felt he felt god's calling on him
2: Paul is a good example because he even tried to go to some places and it specifically says in the book of Acts, it, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him go. And so I think that's, I don't know, that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. To know God will prevent when we're not walking in his ways and when he feels, when God feels strongly about it, he's going to prevent it.
4: <laughs> yeah, we can pay attention to that because sometimes that prevention may come in the form of a threat.
2: Mm-hmm. And we say,
4: Okay, is that threat the enemy trying to thwart me or is that threat God saying, um, Change course.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I did some thinking about security and safety several years ago and wrote a little piece about shifting from seeking security to creating safe places for others.
3: Hmm. Uh, and so like many times that. when
2: we're looking at safety and security, we are looking at it. From our own perspective what's safe and what's secure for me and not always looking out to find to create safe places for other people what is going to be good for and safe and secure for people around me um which so if we're looking out for our own safety and our own security we are not going to ever be vulnerable we're not ever going to put our Mm -hmm. place ourselves in a position of vulnerability either physically or emotionally you know, depending on the situation that we're talking about, but there are times, for example, are people going into Odessa, they are in some ways putting their own physical selves at risk, but it is for the sake of the safety of others that they're trying to create safe spaces for others. And I think those are places where safety and security has a word in missions, you know, are we looking out mm-hmm. for our own? Are we looking out for others?
1: Yeah, that's like a that. good point.
2: Mm. And I'll also say on the emotional front, if you're gonna create safe spaces for others, it's going to require some vulnerability on your from your own self, which feels unsafe in some places. Oh, um, for sure,
1: yeah.
2: But the only way to create safe spaces for others emotionally is to uh, find your security somewhere else, <laughs> and mm. and and allow the vulnerability to happen. I know I'm jumping back and forth between like the physical safety and the emotional safety, but I think that the same theology is mm-hmm. applies to both.
4: Mm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think you were saying they're about. we've had a lot of discussions at tms and and in the general culture dealing with our our racial history and and kind of where we are as a nation right now in this community and i think that that really this plays into that discussion very heavily uh, because if we want to stay safe safety will tend if we're not careful can just tend to be a status quo maintenance it's going to take some willing to go into unsafe spaces where we feel unsafe In terms of relationships, in terms of learning, in terms of acknowledgement, um, that that sometimes it's easier, it feels easier to just kind of stay safe and just ignore that. I think we're, um, I think we have another opportunity, in my own opinion, in our in our culture, to say let's 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 take some risk, let's have some conversations, let's try to move move things forward, so this truly will be a safer society for all people. Hmm. Sometimes those in the, in the position of power majority can make it a safe, right. think they're making a safe society, but they really make it a safe society for themselves. Right to Sarah's point is how right. do we make it a safe place for everybody? Yep. Uh, and sometimes that does take stepping outside of our own safety zones.
3: Yeah, that's good, Jim.
1: So as a, uh, since TMS Global is also a missions organization, <laughs> um, i think it's it's impossible to not talk about personal safety and following god and not mention john chow Um, Mm
0: -hmm. if you remember
1: him he was the uh, uh the young man who went to the andaman and nicobar islands which are remote islands off the coast of india the indian subcontinent and federal law indian federal law prohibits anyone from like landing there interacting with them because there is a people group on those islands that has never come into contact with anyone from our world um, he felt strongly called there and figured it made friends with locals figured out how to get there and they killed him and so i know jim probably knows a little bit more about it because there was a moment there i believe he was considering tms as a sending work or something I remember seeing a photo of him outside of our building with uh, an old mobilizer from about eight or so years ago. And he obviously didn't go with us. Um, but I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on, on that, on him. Um, maybe a, what would, what would our organization do <laughs> had somebody wanted to do what he tried to do? Wow. I, well, I, I'll real quick, say he,
4: he did not, that I know he didn't consider us as an organization, but he was um, a part of a cohort when he was in school.
1: Okay. That visited
4: TMS's office Mm -hmm. when our director of mobilization at the time was Richard Coleman. So Richard had been with him and and had had met him. Um, um, Sarah has actually done some writing and thinking on this, so I'm gonna put her on the spot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, gladly.
4: (laughs) Some reflections on it.
2: I was shocked at the world's response to to his death because when he died, there was this huge global outrage against missions. What was he thinking? Are we still doing this? Are we really uh, going out to tribal people? And there was actually a lot of questions. One, I don't know if anybody really cared about his safety. I think there was some some level of, are his missions really a thing? Are we really still um, doing this? Mm -hmm which was really striking. I do think safety is a piece of it. Um, But even there was conversations around, you know, did he care anything about the safety of the people on the island? And the answer is unequivocally yes. He had actually done a lot of preparation ahead of time and he had quarantined himself which quarantine, this was before 2020. <laughs> it before we really understood what quarantine is. <laughs> exactly. Like,
1: he was really quarantining.
2: <laughs> he actually had quarantined himself. And he really was thinking about the safety of those he was going to serve, to reach. Um, he was not thinking about his own safety. And that's pretty obvious. He had counted the cost. He knew. I mean, I think his journals, he had written some journals and things like that. And he knew absolutely what he was walking into And he had counted the cost. He knew he was called into that place, kind of like the Apostle Paul, who when he walked right back into the place where they just thrown him in jail. um, Mm -hmm. He knew what he was doing and he had counted the cost for his own life. He had also counted the cost of the safety of those around him. I think that that was some of the global outcry was, oh my gosh, why would we, you know, this isolated tribe, they haven't been exposed to our germs, you know, things like that. And he had counted those costs for the sake of others. So I think, I don't know. Those are some of my initial thoughts on him and safety as it relates to mission. But you don't see here very much about that anymore in mission Mm -hmm. because most of missions isn't to tribal places anymore. I think that, um, was so shocking to people because that image harkened back to 50 or 60 years ago when missions was seen as white people going to tribal people and there being animosity conflict and even the results being variably variable in their goodness um with so much missions now is to urban areas and not to Mm -hmm. um tribal peoples but even in urban areas we have to ask the questions of safety also right and most of your churches are in non-urban areas they are in rural places um, where life is deemed a little bit safer not necessarily for a reason but (laughs) (laughs) but that is kind of the general perception of things that hit on a lot of different things but
4: it it really did i think that the, the out some of the the shock is because we don't hear that many stories. It was more common. You would hear stories of, of, of people in mission being martyred, uh, losing their lives or, you know, short lifespans and the old, uh, you know, kind of the, the adage that you often hear people pack their belongings in a coffin to go serve cross-culturally, um, where that's an urban legend already happened. I'm not going to say, but, but I think that. When someone is killed like that it becomes so public, it's kind of a, a shocker. But people do still lose their lives in in God service. Mm-hmm. Not so many Westerners. Uh, one one thing I've joked about when I first took this job a few years ago, and and I said I I feel like sometimes when people are looking for mission fields, it's like somebody looking for real estate. They they ask mm. you know, are the is the neighborhood safe? Are there wow. good schools? Is, and what is is there good shopping? And I don't want to <laughs> trivialize. Those are important inputs. You have to be able to live in a place, but sometimes I think in our expectations of, of things, we we don't push into some of those those areas. And then and then when something like a John Chow happens, we're kind of astonished, shocked, and challenged by that. And uh I think that that is a challenge. We look in in terms of, you know, you ask, would we send him? I can't answer that question because I don't have enough of the context to know. Mm-hmm. Um But what I would say is that we do want to encourage people. The fact is most of the unreached of the world are in places that are quite honestly, not as safe. They're more challenging. You are more likely to, to, um, to have political unrest or lawlessness in a lot of the places where, where a lot of the unreached are. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to count the cost That's scriptural be wise about the risks that are being taken and say is this is this is this risk a wise risk or is it a stupid risk Um, i like to say you know god may call you to be a martyr but don't do it on your own strength so um so don't just be stupid about it but but there are there are real risks but the the great commission is is a risky commission i think god invites us to risk but it's a it's a risk that is counting the cost is looking to him uh, to guide us every step of the way. Yeah,
2: you touched absolutely.
4: on schools. Okay, nice. ahead, Sonia. I'm sorry, Sierra. Please jump um, in.
3: I, I'm thinking about this whole notion of, of personal safety and missions, and I really think it is an intersection of um, safety, faith, and obedience mm-hmm. um, as to where we will go. I'm, I'm reminded of a friend of mine years ago was called into local missions in the particular area that she was called into uh, the average person would say it's dangerous Um, people get shot there all of these things happen Um, but she was sure that and she had faith that that's where she was to go and so she tells this testimony she gives her testimony of going to these places and walking up and down the streets and nobody ever bothered her and so many came to faith in Christ. Um, And so one of the individuals that came to faith in Christ, um, when he came to faith, he was talking with her one day and he was asking her. um, So where are your brothers? And she said, what brothers? And he said, you know, the ones that were walking up and down the street with you. (laughs) Um, And she said, I don't have any brothers. They said, no, every time we saw you walking up and down the street, we saw two big guys walking with you, right? Um, She, no matter what the cost was, she had the faith that that's what God was calling her to. She obeyed. And now, I mean, and because of that, right? Um, there was this tremendous testimony that the Lord was with her. And clearly, I believe that those were angels because she never went with anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But and so I think as we talk about going to these places where at least reach or it could possibly be be dangerous, it, we're really talking about this intersection um, of how we define our personal safety, safety, and then faith and obedience. Are we willing um, to obey with with where we're being? um, drawn to serve, whether that's across the street, um, across the railroad tracks or across the waters.
2: I really love that you bring it down to obedience. Cause that has mm-hmm. to be what it's about. We are not chasing after safety, nor are we chasing after adventure and risk.
0: Yep. We're chasing
2: after Jesus. And when mm-hmm. he tells us to do something, we obey no matter what, well, right. not no matter, we do count the cost I you think that is biblical, like we said, but choosing to follow him, Yeah. Having counted the cost.
3: I think we see the perfect example of obedience when we look at Abram, right? In Genesis 12, one, you know, the Lord said, go to a place I will show you. Right. He had no idea what was going to happen. He packed up his stuff and he just started walking or riding on a uh, donkey or whatever he was doing, but he started going in that direction. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And it's so interesting to me because that's not the first time um, that Abram was obedient, right. Um, at all costs to whatever God was going to tell what God was calling him to do when he took Isaac, he was just obedient. You know, he didn't know what, what danger was ahead, what loss was ahead or what harm. He had an idea, um, as he was taking Isaac there, but, and it's interesting to me that through all of that, that Abraham is called a friend of God, right. Mm-hmm. His willingness to obey at all costs.
2: I feel like i may have said this on the podcast before so forgive me if it's a repetition but i think we've conflated or just kind of messed up the way that we're communicating the gospel when we say jesus died on the cross for you and yes he did but he didn't die on the cross so that you wouldn't have to die he actually calls us to follow him to the cross right like Mm -hmm. how will we follow him take up your cross and follow me Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. often when we say jesus died for for us i think that sometimes we mean like so we don't have to and and it's just not true we're called to actually follow him into that death yeah
3: yeah how many times did he say to the disciples you know they hated me they're gonna hate you they persecuted me they're gonna they're mm-hmm. gonna persecute you the world is not gonna love you but i love this this um tension between not only did he say that but he also said greater works than these will you do -hmm. Right. So out of that obedience, imagine if we would just do it, what would what could we possibly see that we've never seen before?
4: And that's where I think Jesus, we see Jesus finds his safety in the Father. He goes out to his time of prayer. We see with Paul, he finds his absolute confidence, you know, his absolute confidence is in is in God and in Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think going, going deep there in our relationship. Is, is where we find, that's where we're going to find true safety, not this illusion of safety that we started with. We find our true safety in Christ, which might mean there's physical risk. It might mean there's social risk. In fact, it probably means there's physical risk and social risk because the Bible all but promises this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're seeking mm-hmm. God. We're not seeking risk. We're not seeking risk aversion. Yeah. We're seeking God. Mm-hmm. And the other we're aware of, and we deal with it, but it's not the main thing.
3: Yeah, that's good stuff, Jim.
1: That is good. Um, Does anyone have anything else they'd like to say about safety? Safety in following Jesus and serving him? There was
2: some kind of C.S. Lewis quote that we were going to say, and it wasn't (laughs)
1: that. That was supposed to be me. And then I thought Ooh. we weren't going to do it because Jim doesn't like C.S. Lewis quotes. <laughs> what? I just love kidding. C.S. Lewis. That's one of the most overused quotes C.S. in the Lewis. world. I'm just, a great quote. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're talking about a... the the end of Last Battle?
2: No, use that one. Please do.
4: Oh, that that's right. That was the good one. There's the one that you that get. One. You get the one you get tired. We get tired of sometimes. What's the know, one you I'm get tired of? of? Well, they, is as safe? He's no, he's not safe. He's good. That's that's a good quote. It's true. It's a great mm. quote. It's just used. It's just used
1: a lot. Okay. Well, that was gonna. I wasn't gonna bring it up because it's so overused, but there it is. That was the quote. Was that the quote? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's but it's, it's it's a good quote. It's a great quote.
4: <laughs> it's a great mm. quote. Mm-hmm. It's a great quote. Sorry, I'm, I'm big Mister Bad Guy. It's a no, you're not part.
1: Mr. That's, bad Guy. I just I love C.S. Lewis,
4: and at least it's not a misquote. You really want to be on my soapbox? Yeah, Jim. Jim C. C. likes to Lewis.
1: defend C.S. Lewis and what he did write or say, and what he did not write or say. Right. And that's something yeah, that's he's true. very, very passionate about. Yes. Yeah, so that's what you will. Get so made. I'm nervous myself when I bring up a C.S. Lewis. i was like, I think you said this, Jim. Don't throw anything at me. <laughs> <laughs> just don't do that thing
4: about you're never too old to dream dreams. That I'll <laughs> slap you.
3: That's not C.S. Lewis.
4: That's not C.S. Lewis. I know. Lord. I, was joking. I wanted to see your hair stand up, Jim.
3: <laughs> it it well, does that on its own. Oh,
2: People my. who are on the podcast don't <laughs> know that that's a joke also.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, Sarah. This is, totally
3: reported, too. This yes, is not good. Yes,
1: it's very good. <laughs> well, I think we've reached the end.
4: I think that was the whether
1: we're past the end. We're past the end. <laughs> I'll get justin to make it make it right. Justin Nothing justin' covers a
0: multitude of sin. Wonderful.
3: <laughs> Just-
0: Thank you again for listening to Thy Kingdom Pod. If you liked this show, please rate and review on whatever platform you're listening and tell a friend. To find out more about TMS Global, our ministries, and the ways that you can support them, you can go to our website at tmsglobal.org. That's tms-global.org. Also, you can go follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at TMS Global, but spelled without the A. That's T-M-S-G-L-O-B-L. Thanks, and we'll see you next episode.